there are stories that I will hear on the news and I can barely contain myself, the anger I feel. Sometimes the world feels like it's on fire. There are hurts and needs in our neighborhoods and globally, but how has lives changed? Do we begin to respond or decide to take action? In this episode, we talk about showing compassion in our modern world, and it starts right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Live Change Podcast. I'm joined uh, by my friend, Jason Mitchell. Howdy. And I'm joined by Joanna Wisher, my co-host on the podcast. Hello. And my name is Chad Herman, and today we're talking about activism and apathy. But before we do that, I I got a treat. I was at a gas station, and I saw a yummy new treat. It is M&M's, but they aren't just any M&M's. They are... Uh, Key lime pie, M and M's. I love key lime pie. Uh, get out do, of my do head. Y'all like key I lime do pie? not. Key like lime pie. Still, pie. you don't. Joanna, you're uh, very picky. Yes, I am not picky. You I didn't am like pe- you didn't like boiled peanuts. Yeah, I think you don't like key lime pie. These are two things that everyone loves. Everyone <laughs> except I you. I do not think everyone loves boiled peanuts. I I think you're less adventurous because, as we know, adventure means you try peanuts and key lime M and M's. All right. Hey, wait so, a second. So you said you're particular. So yeah. would you be finicky with food? Are you being serious? Like, like is um, that a thing you're known for? I'm not picky. Yeah, I'm just particular. Like, yeah. I like a lot of foods. I just like them a certain way. Mm. So, like, I'm the annoying person when everyone's, like, going around the table and, like, placing your order. And it's like, oh, I would like this, but could you do this oh, yeah. to it? And right. could you do a little bit of that and take away that? Every server that's listening to this podcast right now is like, oh, it's her. Oh, I know. Yeah. The, I get um, it. So we're going to try the, the key lime. So I'm going to, oh, they, they just poured out there. So I'm going to scooch some <laughs> you over. Really You're going like to want them. more Dude, than don't one. don't hand them to me. Oh. <laughs> Here, let me get you fingerprints. Do you want me to feed oh, it to word. you? <laughs> you guys are so weird. <laughs> that's taking food from another man's hands is not weird, Joanna. It's true. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's not it's, weird. It's, it's a cardinal. Yeah. No, you no, don't do that. You don't do that. Okay. You don't do that? I, I, do you? Do you like feed your friends? <laughs> no, you weren't going to feed him. You were just going to put them in his hand. Yeah, but his fingerprints are on it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's like a germ thing. Yeah. It is a germ thing. And I, I get it. I, I was I like, really. I totally appreciate that. You don't okay. care. I don't. No, she is not a germaphobe. <laughs> so you're particular about your food, but you'll eat something right out, of, right off the floor. Doggone okay, it. Okay, those are two different things. <laughs> no. You, you want to know? I travel with Joanna sometimes. Be, uh, like we're, we're on teams together at LCBC. Mm-hmm. I have traveled with this woman. Let me tell <laughs> this you. This woman. Uh, You're so, about to have strong feelings. Oh, I have some strong feelings about this. I am a 10th level germaphobe. Like, you know, if there right. was levels, I'm like up here. I'm okay. I'm pretty pretty strong germaphobe. I travel with Clorox wipes. Yeah, that's that, and like that's backup intense. Clorox wipes. Yeah, yeah, and and then some for the hotel room because you know that TV remote. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I'm yeah. not touching that. Okay. I never. Yeah, you ever seen those shows that bring black lights into those hotel rooms? Uh, I watch those like they're horror movies. <laughs> you would not want to stay in one. <laughs> they they literally keep me I'm up. I'm only at night. laughing because I know that this really is a big deal for you, but you've had so much growth. I have. I'm I caution so, tape around me as yeah. a human. So I've traveled with Joanna though, and she is not a germaphobe at all. And she's like my coping mechanism because I watch her live her life, and I'm like, if she's still alive, 
<laughs> that's probably helpful. That like well, she's not fine. dead. Like because yeah. I watched her. She wears like flip flops to the airport. Okay, they're like mules. <laughs> like they're just they're mules. just like backless shoes. You were riding you a mule wear, that you wouldn't wear socks with. Okay, okay. not just like flip flops. So, but yeah, get it right. Come on. Regardless, you were barefoot. So she she's just walking oh, around. Oh oh, because you had to take them off for the thing. Yes. And then join Chad us. didn't like that. She's just walking barefoot. I mean, guys, and guess what? I'm still here to tell the tale. Do you see what I mean? Joanna, I I at least I at least chased her down and made airports are nasty. Yes, you don't want to be walking. Do you walk barefoot through a grocery store? Yeah, I probably would. (laughs) She would. I wouldn't think she would. Like I actually, it doesn't matter. I'm frustrated that you have to wear shoes. Like if I could just I ask Kevin, I am barefoot okay. all the time. All the time. If you huh. are like Joanna and you believe <laughs> shoes are a societal construct that needs to be eliminated, <laughs> I did say. I'm leave a say, comment. Like the no shoes, no shirt signs. Like there's just something about me that is just like, oh, I just want to walk into this store with no shoes on. Wow, that's your so rebellious. Spirit. I had to chase her down just to give her some Purell because I I knew she was like you know t- touching you all didn't this chase stuff. Me down to give me Purell, you basically sprayed me with like microban because I I knew we were heading to lunch and you know with our team. Get out of here. Well, she's and not I'm like eat with her feet. I well I just wanted Thank to make you. sure that the handsies were clean. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going. <laughs> You yeah, these really, are melting in my hand, okay. by the way. These are, if you can't see, these are M&Ms. They're green and white and dark green, and they're key lime, and we're going to try them. So Do they all it, taste the same? Uh, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. So here we go. Oh, my gosh. I love them. They are so good. What? I could do without. No. Kind of weird. No. Okay. Yeah. To be fair. Oh. I'm on a diet and I haven't had anything sweet in like six months. So these taste like manna. So it's. <laughs> yeah. That's sad. I'm sorry that this is what you chose to take. Oh, worth it. Hashtag white, worth it. So it's white chocolate mm-hmm. within a hint of key lime pie. Yeah, that's a good description. That's a very good description. I read it right off the bag. Yeah. Well, Those I'm saying good. like they did a good job. <laughs> like I would. That doesn't taste real limey. I just had a mint before I. Did that? Oh, though. that could have messed it up. Here, I'm just going to eat one really... of these too. These are these are more common. These are fudge brownie. Ever tried fudge, this? fudge. No. Now those yeah. are good. I've had these. Well, just dig your hands in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word, guys. <laughs> these are actually good. Fudge brownie M and M's. Those are good. Yeah. Why'd you bring these? Well, I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about <laughs> what's your favorite candy. So, what's your favorite candy or food? Like, what what is one food? That you would eat the rest of your life. French fries and pizza. Wow, that was quick. Period. End of story. French fries and pizza. I'm sure oh. you're plain. Wait, wait, wait. But who has picky? Who has the best French fries and pizza? Oh, I love bowling alley French fries. Oh my! <laughs> nothing, nothing surprises me about that response. I like to eat bowling fries. Bowling <laughs> guys, they're so alley good. French fries where, with my where feet. shoes. <laughs> Are shared. Yeah, <laughs> those are my people. They make my fries. After you've just inserted said finger Guys, into bowling balls. Well, yeah. You probably eat the fries out of the bowling balls. Guys, sometimes I forget to take socks to the bowling alley. Do you fill now, up the bowling ball? <laughs> no, you're messing with me. You're messing with me right now. Oh, no, that's true. But I know it's also messing with you, so I'm sorry. Oh gosh. But yeah, French fries and pizza. Oh my gosh. I've learned. I feel uncomfortable even in the same room with 
right <laughs> Breathing the same air. Jason, what's your favorite food? <laughs> My favorite food? Or the food you would eat uh, the, if you could have one food Steak. that you just eat. That's awesome. Yeah. That is red-blooded American right there. <laughs> now, see, I love when steak goes with fries. Okay. I, I love that, too. I like, if I make a steak and then potatoes and all that, mm-hmm. I'll take the steak out, and then I'll put all the potatoes after I cook them in all that steak grease. Oh, yeah, that's good. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about activism and how do we care for the people that are in our local community? How do we care for the people in our family, our church, but also our global community? What is God's expectation with that? And what are the pitfalls and pratfalls of that? Now, there is a word that I'm going to use that I think has has permeated injustice, charity, serving, uh, generosity, and it's cynicism. The word is cynicism. And I think that, I think one of the biggest hurdles for a lot of people is that there has been some phonies. There has been some some people have been hurt or or there's been some ulterior motives or there's been some really shady stuff that's been done in the name of of goodness. Uh, and like what? Like, so example. a good example is, um, so maybe someone's given to a GoFundMe page and it turned out it was a giant fraud. So, uh, or maybe you look at a person that's like asking for money, asking for a handout and you're like, I want to give you money, but you're just going to go buy drugs or, or, you know, that person that's, you know, you know, there's a a charitable thing to, to give housing to a person. And you think to yourself, I, I had to get a job to get my house, get your own job. And there's this cynicism that has permeated and it cripples the heart of the servant. So what is the answer to that? Or, yeah, or, it, or I'm make, am I making that up? Well, and what's the difference? Where's the line between wisdom and cynicism? <laughs> totally. What? Sometimes it may be wise. I've got kids, and there's times where I withhold, not because I'm being cynical or cold, but because I know this will grow them, and they do need the dignity of work or what, you know what I mean? So sure. I mean, like that's a... Simple example with how it works with kids. So I think that's wise. So, I mean, there's, there's a, there, there's that fuzzy line between sometimes wisdom and the cynicism and churches throw that in there too. I mean, how many churches have gotten people rallied around and then, you yeah. know, there was, you know, uh, stuff going on and all of a sudden people are like, dude, not giving to a church again or ministry again or whatever. No, totally. And I think some of the things you were just with wisdom. Sometimes I think also like we have to do research or like mm-hmm. sometimes I think you also have to wade into um, if those are concerns that you have, then I would also say just make sure you're being wise about how you're giving or where you're giving or if you're researching or things like that too, to make sure that you are partnering with trusted partners or um I don't know. Honestly, like, I feel like that's one of the things we do a lot at LCBC even is like, we look at folks within our communities who are making awesome differences. And instead of us trying to reinvent the wheel, we just figure out how can we unleash generosity on these partners to help them go further faster. But we vet, it's interesting you say that because we vet all of those organizations totally to the point where some, I mean, we look into their financials. We look at like, that's part of good stewardship yes. too, is, is knowing that you're supporting places and, and giving to places and serving places. I mean, we're talking kind of at a organizational level. So, mm-hmm. so you're saying is 
I guess what there is an answer that is in the middle. So there's there's the blindly giving, the blindly serving, the blindly chasing each initiative or or charitable thing. And then the other extreme is cynicism, where it's like, oh, it's all just a fraud and you know, I'm not giving any more and you know, I've been burnt. And then there's something in the middle where it's like wisdom, which with all things, it's exhausting, guys. I'm just being honest. It's exhausting to to vet every person you want to put change in the jar for. Yeah. I mean, like it's exhausting for people to it's like, you know, like it's it's tiring to have to do that. And I, I just have empathy for those that have have had cynicism where it's like I'm just tired of being taken advantage of. Well, the other thing to remember is this. Um, Jesus got taken advantage of. It's not the worst thing in the world to move on your compassion and it gets taken advantage of. There's worse things. Yeah. It led So Jesus put himself out there vulnerably and, it, and, and no one said thank you. I mean, like it led to a cross. <laughs> I think my bigger point is, I remember one time um, I was here at, at our Mannheim campus, and I was walking out. We had life. We had our group was about to meet. I was about to meet with a small group of people that we were doing life with at the time. And as I was walking out, there was this family that was obviously distressed that walked mm-hmm. into our church building, and I was like, "Hey, what's your names?" You know, just started a conversation with them found out that they had driven or were driving like from North Dakota to try to get to some family. They're homeless. Um, they had nothing. And they were out of, they were completely out of gas. And they hadn't run out yet, but they basically had hardly anything left in the tank. And they had like $19 left. And so they were distraught. And they came to the, they saw the church and they, they came in. So uh, we went to, I was like, okay, I'm about to go. The building was shutting down at that point. I'm about to go hang out with some other people, and why don't you follow me? Do you have enough gas to – it's like a mile and a half away. They said, yeah, we'll follow you. So they follow us to the home. I bring them in the place. Like, we bring them in and, and basically go, These are the, here's the story. And everybody in that group gave hundreds of dollars to them wow. to get them what a hotel for that night, whatever they needed. That was how – because they are like, okay – well, we love Jesus. Jesus did this for us. So, yeah, be blessed. They left, and one of the people in the group, kind of jokingly, but said, hey, what if they were lying about all that? And someone else piped up, and they're like, so what? <sighs> like, if they were lying about it, so we just got moved. Like, is God going to be disappointed that we just gave love it $600? Like, so what if we got taken advantage of? Jesus did, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want to live so there, you can be reckless with that, but, but I think sometimes it's like, um, sometimes that's the vulnerable spot that generous serving living will put you in. It is vulnerable. Yeah. I, I, I vulnerable. love that. I love, I, <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love that because what the difference is, it's about the offering. So I think that our, mm. our God, not the effect is not asking for, for the, the ultimately the end result is in his hands. Yeah. He's just asking us to be faithful. Would you open your hands with it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It, we're responsible for the offering. He's responsible for the outcome. Yeah. And I, I think there's talk about freedom. There is freedom when we decide that we're not responsible for the outcome. 
that's when I can put the change in the jar and go, okay, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay. Cause I, I did what God, what you were asking me to do. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and you can give the $20 to the person. And if he dry, if he buys a sandwich or he buys alcohol, um, that's not necessarily yours to, to, to figure out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be the detective in that moment. Do what the spirit leads you to do in that moment. Now test the, like if the spirit is like, yeah, no, this is probably not a great situation. Okay. Yeah. You know, then listen to that. And I think sometimes you end up in spots where you actually know how to meet the need potentially better than the person who's asking for some a need to be met. Ooh. So like a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to serve with high schoolers um, in Washington, D.C. And I remember kind of our host for the experience. One of the things she said to the students um, was like, hey, so one of our organizational values is when we see folks on the street. Um we intentionally choose not to give them change or dollars in your pocket or whatever. Instead, we provide them socks and granola bars or something yep. like that. Um, and the heartbeat behind that was like, hey, that is a way that we are still meeting a need um, that we believe is actually also helpful. Mm. And so like, I think sometimes too, like if you can get in a unique situation where you also understand more about the need, mm-hmm. you might be meeting the need better mm. than like at first blush, if you will. Um, well, I love that. And and that to me is thinking bigger than just about handing stuff out to people. That's about how do we as Christians lift up the dignity of others? How do we provide for their needs, not just make us feel good about we gave something? And you just, I haven't remembered that forgot about this. I haven't thought about this in years, but I remember there was a guy, um, in a home we used to live in. There was a guy near us and he was, he was living at this home, but it wasn't his home that it, it was close to us, like our, our neighbor. And, um, he was lost his job. It was not a good situation. They needed money bad. And I remember going home and telling Jenny, I was like, I feel like we ought to give them, give him some money. And then we started thinking about it and we're like, oh, he's really good at detailing cars. So I went to him, I was like, can you detail my, my car? And I paid him a bunch, you know, I paid him a good amount of money for that. He jumped right on it. But there's two things that happened. He was so proud of the work he did and he got money. And that was sometimes it's like that. Maybe that's the difference between sometimes charity is like just getting there's moments for that like you got to just triage something that's that gas couple i think the couple ran out of gas like you just got to treat they need a hotel room tonight this was a little bit more in depth this was like no no no. there's ongoing sustainable there's dignity i want to give this guy we want to give this guy so sometimes it's just thinking more broadly about how we give so that we're lifting up the person that we're bringing dignity to an honor to their life, not just triaging something. There's also a hero complex too, because it's like, you know, in the end, um, sometimes we, we put ourselves in those situations and we, we feel a sense of superiority. And we have to also be, be careful that we're always checking that because it's like everything we have is a gift from God. Yeah. And, and it's his to do with as he pleases. Uh, when, ha- when does care become hurtful? So, you, Jason, you mentioned something previously about compassion fatigue, and I'm, I'm familiar with compassion fatigue. What happens when those people that give and give and give and give, and 
they 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 give till they can give no more. You know what? It, what does that look like? Have you seen that in pastors and ministry? Have you seen compassion fatigue? And then I'll I can share my own stuff. Well, definitely. Um, I think it's it's uh, it's it's an epidemic, and I shouldn't say that. It's very common to see in um, doctors, social uh, anybody who has to be in field nurses, healthcare, ministries, all that. Um, it's a it's a topic that yeah. that's pretty. Um, comes up a lot, pretty relevant. Anything that you're giving out of yourself for the good to care for another person and when they are in need. So uh, I just think it's important to remember, you know what's crazy? You know, Jesus, I don't know if we've talked about this or not, but Jesus didn't meet every need. Mm -hmm. He didn't meet every single need when he was here. Um, Wow, go on. Well, it's kind of weird to say, but you know, in the Gospels, there's moments like um, Luke uh, 4 where, you know, there's a line of people to be healed, and he ends up the next day leaving, and he, I think we've talked about that. He leaves some of them behind. He didn't meet, and he says, I must go on to the next town, but he goes to rest. So you've got Jesus. I think if anybody would have gotten compassion fatigue, it would have been him because how much he was pouring out for people. And yet he finds this breathe in, breathe out sort of rhythm. He's giving, 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 giving. He's, he's distancing himself from all the needs to refuel. And he's giving, 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 distancing himself. Okay. So, What happens if you don't? What happens if you don't listen to that cadence? What happens if you give and give and give and give? What, what's the ramifications that you've seen? You become, I think, um, a really cynical bitter yes person absolutely absolutely uh, uh or or, or you i think just, you feel paralyzed then, or, that yeah, you can't yeah. yeah you'll never possibly yeah you yeah, give yeah. up because you'll never possibly solve all the problems or meet all the needs or so you either become frozen so when when we become too compassionate when we give and give and give and give and don't take care of self um this happened to me like a year ago this happened to me where I went through a season where I was giving, 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 and uh, not, not no Mother Teresa here. I, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I, I I had plenty of downtime, so I don't want to try to make myself out to be a martyr here. But I I gave emotionally uh, for a very extended period of time, and I did very poor job of of care calibration. So I gave care every every chance I could. I got to a point where all of a sudden there was this sense of jadedness that I was very unfamiliar with. It was it the things that broke my heart stopped breaking. And there was this feeling, this overwhelming feeling of like Jason, you said cynicism and bitterness, where I was like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. all of a sudden I went from caring for everyone to suddenly I don't want to care for anyone. And it was like it was an ucky feeling. And I came when I started to feel like that, which was weird. It was very not me. I came to to leadership and I came to the church and I was like, I'm not okay. Like I'm not okay, and I, I I talked to a therapist actually about it, and it turns out that's when I found out about compassion fatigue. So I can attest from personal experience, you will burn. You're gonna burn. You're gonna burn out. It's gonna happen. It totally happened to me. It took a long time for that tank to fill, uh, and it did fill back up. It it does fill back up, but it takes time, and it takes recognizing also the simple truth that I'm not the hero. Mm-hmm. I'm not the hero. Jesus is the hero. 
I don't need to save every person. I don't need to to help every emotional broken thing. I don't have to to care for every uh, broken relationship. I can't because I'm human. And sometimes I need to put the mask on myself before I put the mask on someone else. Yeah, that's good. Someone reminded me recently of a, a, a quarterback on a football team has to wear the red jersey. And the red jersey means you can't touch them. Like, I'm going to participate. I'm going to be a part of this. But it's like I've got to also make sure – got to make sure that, that we're good to play the game. And so in practice, I'm talking about in practice, you wear the red jersey so you don't risk injuring yourself for what matters most. And I think sometimes it's like it's okay to put the red jersey on, take care of yourself, and uh, you don't have to – yeah, you don't have to put yourself – I think we do kind of play the martyr role sometimes and we we feel like it's up to us and we're actually codependent on – we need people instead of wow. we desire them. And when you need them, you're just giving, 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 giving to keep them happy because your own sense of self is wrapped up in theirs. I mean, that's like, you got to think about all that stuff of why. So what do you say? So Jason, you know, we have a, a big audience here and you know, they're listening. Someone out there is in a, is in a codependent relationship where they're giving, 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 uh, obviously, you know, there's complications. So we can't give a blanket answer. I'm not looking for a blanket answer. But what do you say to the person that's not doing a good job of caring for themselves? Uh, Is there advice on where to begin? Where it's like uh, they're giving for a spouse and their their spouse is a taker and they take, that spouse takes and takes and takes and takes. What do you say to to that person to begin starting to care for self? Oh, man. I was going to say, if it's that level, you got to go talk to someone. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. I mean, like, that's like fair. If, it's, if it's really to that level, uh, there's things fueling that, that it's not as easy to just go, oh, I so I won't. Because the antithesis is, oh, then I won't care. And yeah, that's, that's not, not good it. either. That's so it's it. like, those are two far extremes. One is like a, 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 a total apathy. The other is a codependency. Those are both extremes. You know, um, and I think that self care, like, is a learned behavior if you don't know how to do it. Yeah. So sometimes it's just like to your point, it's like if you're going and asking or talking to someone about it, it might be you've reached a point where like I don't know how to fix it myself. Yeah. And that, I mean that's what you just expressed even with like the season that you walked through, like you didn't necessarily know how to get out of it. You just knew you needed someone to help you with it. And so I think like even that behavior of like pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, resting and refueling, I think that's a learned behavior um, that I don't know that that always comes naturally. Mm -hmm. So you might just also need someone to help you learn how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, watch for the cues. Everybody has cues for where I think we all have cues that are indicator lights to like, Oh, I'm on the edge here. And so I think in ministry, one of them or, you know, for church people is like you roll your eyes when you see this person coming towards you because you're like, here we go. You know, that's like that. It means you're probably empty. So it's probably empty. Flashing yellow light warning. Yeah. Like yeah. where did that come from? Um, uh, numbing out when you're home, you don't really want to think about anything that would take emotional 
or expend emotional energy. Yeah. I mean, those are just little, like, what are the, just pay attention to those warning signs that you may be giving, giving, giving without uh, pouring back in or getting poured back into. No, that makes sense. Yeah. The, um, what do you say to the person that's emotionally just, you know, they, they, the fatigue they're finding is just from the emotional worry. Like the mom that's just worried about her son and, and won't relinquish that fear and that worry or for the, the other family member or a friend or, you know, like the, the, the care is that worry and that dread for that person. A lot of that, like you can start to feel all the weight of that, which is, I think what even you were talking about that yeah. then if you don't know how to take the weight back off or then that's where you can find yourself in that compassion fatigue. A friend of mine recently told me, we were talking kind of just even about our kids and it's like, oh man, but don't you worry about this or what if this happens or, and she just stopped and she stopped me and she said like, you are responsible for stewarding them well. God loves them more than you and you have to trust that he will take like your stewarding and bless it and mm. And continue to be in that relationship with your child and continue to give you the steps to take to move forward. But ultimately, like God loves them way more than you can ever fathom, which I mean, that's really hard to think about as a parent, right? Yeah. So then you also just think whether it's more globally or in your neighborhood or meeting the needs of those around you, like you can do whatever you can at the capacity that you can do it. But like God can still do infinitely more than that. And so then also just trusting that as you're meeting needs or you're stepping into that posture or you're following the nudge of the Holy Spirit, like the Spirit and like God is right there too um, to bless those needs or to care for those folks or to make a difference in ways that like we can't even fathom because he loves those people or those things way more than we do, even if we think there's justice or injustice that's occurring or whatever. Like God sees that too. Um, and so how do we not forget like that? We don't have to solve all of those things. That's good. Um, yeah. That he loves all of those things way more than we could even imagine. So what, a what is the Christian response to the injustice in this world guys? So what is the, the Christian response to, to the stuff that's happening all over the world? Um, what what are we supposed to do? What what can, what can Christians do all over the world? What are we? What is our what is our call to action for for the injustices that are happening all over the world? Um, pray for justice. Pray for justice to that God's justice would. Well, here's a way of saying it: Pray what Jesus told us to pray, which is God, Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So that's the first place to start. Pray. I, I'm shocked. Like prayer like yeah pray for god's kingdom what to come if, what about this. the people that are like prayer is a platitude jason okay no but i mean like, i mean i'm i'm serious like well i didn't say stop there i said start there you no know, but i think it's it's good to talk about the weight of prayer well yeah like, i mean it's yeah we ought to seek justice we ought to seek god to pour out we ought to desire and long for god to pour out justice on this world my heart breaks, man, when I see. There's certain things I watch on the news. There are stories that I will hear on the news, and I can barely contain myself, the anger I feel yeah. when children are hurt 
or whatever. Like I can't, I have rage. Yeah. I don't think that's bad. I think I'm actually tapping in in that moment. I'm feeling God's um, just wrath at sin and what it does in this world. Yes. So I take that to God and I scream. Read the Psalms. The Psalms are, go if you're struggling with the injustice thing too, like go to the Psalms. Sometimes they will give you voice for what to pray because they pray, God, would your justice come into this world? Would you... Make right what has been wrong. God, would you lift up the poor and oppressed? God, would you strike down those who are using their power to keep those, um, you know, to 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 oppress uh, those? That's all in the Bible. Like those, yeah. these are what because it expresses, like it gets it out, and that's a good thing. That's awesome. Then you go to Jesus's, obviously, the prayer, and he says, "May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven." That's a just kingdom. So I'd start there and then then go, and God, how do you have for me? What unique role can I play in that today? And it's going to be a thousand small little things, or probably not even a thousand. It's probably be three small little things. Awesome. It'll be a moment to simply, uh, you see someone at school, you see someone at your university who was obviously something was said about them. I don't even know. Like, you know, whatever. And you go and you say an encouraging word. You just tried to, you brought, again, where something was off, you tried to bring restoration. It might Mm -hmm. mean that you, I mean, there's a thousand ways they could look. It's going to be, and I'm probably more getting back to the service, the serving piece on that. That's great. But it's going to be you going, God, here I am. My hands are open today. Show me where, where, where needs meet my capacity and just make me open to it. Because the enemy isn't necessarily always the same face, but it's cruelty. It's it's injustice. And you may not be able to answer the call for that injustice, but you can answer the call for this one. And I like that, that you just opening your eyes to the injustice right around you or the, the needs right around you, the care right around you. Well, I would say just go back. You know what? It may be the simplest way. I like thinking about things real simply. And I would just go back. So it's like pray for God's justice to come, right? and that this would be a more just world, and that he would allow you the opportunity today to make that a reality, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, and then go back to Mark 10, which we started this whole conversation with, and just say, God, where, just show me opportunities. Please make my eyes open today to where there might be opportunities for me to lower myself to lift someone up. Mm -hmm. That's it. It'll probably be one time, two times. Lower myself to lift someone up. Opening a door. Yeah. Uh, Helping someone to their call. I don't even know. And don't discredit really small things. Like I think the threshold to be able to meet needs today can just, is just so low that it might, it might be just the encouraging word. It might be the smiling face. It might be holding the door for someone where just in that moment, that person's like, Oh, they put me before them or, you know what I mean? Like, and so sometimes I also think we wait for these really ginormous things to be able to do, but it's just like a bunch of small moments over time. Yeah. Um, and that goes back to joining what you said at the very beginning with Jesus. He didn't really, he just kept doing it. He right. just, he just lifted that person up. Yeah. He just spoke a word over that person. He just, mm-hmm. he was he intentional it. and it was intentional. Yeah. Jason, uh, uh, Eugene Peterson is, uh, the guy that transcribed the message Bible mm-hmm. And you and I went to see him one time. It was, yeah. He was in New York City. He was a little old man. Yes. And 
He, I mean, he, he he was. Uh, he's past now, but man, he was a he was a good man. Yeah, and I remember him saying that everyone wants to be the guy that starts Tom's shoes, but mm-hmm. not everyone wants to be the pastor of the guy that starts Tom's shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what he equated there was everyone wants to be a part of the big movement yeah. and the big initiative, but not everyone wants to do the small things. Yeah. And um, it reminds me of this story. Uh, I, I think I'll, I'll transition us with this story to, to the end here is I remember um, my neighbor Lee was this, this older gentleman. When I met Lee, he was probably about 76 at the time, 77. And he was retired, and he lived with his brother in this house across the road. So Lee, uh, my daughter, had just been born, and she was she was just a, an infant. And at that time, in, in my house, my yard had grown quite what we'll call woolly. Um, uh, it was uh, it was it was a jungle. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure it was a scene out of Avatar. Like, and then I have Lee walks across the road, this 76-year-old man, and it says, uh, Chad, I noticed your your yard is getting long. I was like, and I, I thought this was going to be one of those grumpy people that are like, you know, I just took a measuring stick to your yard. But um, I said, uh, yeah, it's, it's getting kind of long. And then he says, can I mow it for you? And I said, no, I don't want to do that. Like, you know, feel like a terrible human being. I'll, I'll mow it eventually here. <laughs> as uh, like my daughter's crying and he's like, no, 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 no. Can, can I mow it for you? And I said, you know, if you would be willing to mow it today, that would be great. And he goes, no, he's like, you're confused. He said, I, I asked if I could mow your lawn for you. He's like, not today, every day. Uh, and that started 10 years mm. of Lee mowing my lawn every single week, twice a week, sometimes and don't, don't get me wrong, everyone's like calculating his age. And <laughs> uh, I asked many times to take it from him. But he was like, he's like, this is what I love to do. And he started mowing everyone's lawn in the neighborhood. Mm. And he said, I do it because I love Jesus. Mm. And it was mowing a lawn. It's like, that's not, that's not ending the war in Ukraine. It's mm-hmm. not stopping injustice in the, sea, in the streets of our cities. It's not, it's mowing a lawn. He changed my life. That that little old man changed my life. He's since passed, but yet he has left an an, an unwavering mark on my life, and he's taught me more about this this topic of compassion and serving by mowing a lawn. And and so my question is, who maybe someone in your life? So maybe just give it a quick thought. Who's someone, or what's some act of of compassion that you saw that was a small thing? Mm-hmm. That meant a big thing to you, and and then how do we recommend other people to do the same? So that we may not be. You I know, got one. It, yeah, it was you two oh. days ago. What? <laughs> it really was. Um, what people probably don't know is we were supposed to record these yesterday, I think, or one of these yesterday, and um, my voice was gone after the weekend, and I mean it was gone, gone. And so I was like, I don't think I'm going to be, this was on Monday. I was like, I don't think I'm going to yeah. be able to record. I know you're going to say. And you showed up at my office on Monday in the morning with tea and honey and just said, hey, hope, hope this helps your voice in some way, shape, or form. And that might not seem like much, but what that told me was, 
or would it, would it on the other side of that is someone heard someone listened, and someone used what little resources they, you know, like they, it wasn't a big, big thing. It was just like, Oh, well, I heard you. And yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff sticks with you. And it also motivates me to love and good works. I then go, who can I do that for today? Mm. Who can I, I, it's just, it, it's inspiring when you get stuff like that. Cause then yeah. you're like, Oh, I want, I, that's easy. Who am I just need to be thoughtful for? It's not about changing the world. It's changing that person's world. Today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I have one that actually came pretty easy when you asked that question. So, oh. um, I don't know, maybe it, it's been 10 or 11 years since we lost my grandmother. Um, and yeah, I love Joyce. She was an amazing woman. She, we went to, uh, her funeral. Um, I remember then having to like kind of clean out her, uh, apartment. So she lived in Iowa. So it was like kind of a trek. We like kind of needed to take care of a lot of affairs, kind of like while we were out there. Right. So we're like going through all of her things, um, kind of starting even to divvy out like between my mom and her sister. And we find this stack of books and each book is on like super random topics, like super random that we're like, what was Nana? Like, why was she reading all of these things? (laughs) And in every book was someone's name. And it was like, Hey, I'm reading this book to understand more about so-and-so. Oh, wow. And so some of them were like different religion, like uh-huh. different religious backgrounds. Um, just very, like various topics. And like, you'd see the notes like in the front, like in the thing. And it was like, Hey, need to talk to so-and-so about this or curious how they think about that. Um, wow. And it That's was cool. like, my gosh, like, yeah, and it was no one knew that. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. she just she also she did that just because she felt, hey, that's how I can relate better to the people around me. And and even something as reading is one of the most selfish activities we do. We often read just for self. Like it it's 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 one of the things that it's okay to be selfish with. And yet she was even selfless in that moment where I'm not reading the book I want to read. She did probably didn't want to read about woodworking. But there was someone that she wanted to have a conversation with, mm-hmm. and she knew that was the best way. Yeah, it's cool. That's really cool. See, it's it's. She was a cool lady. What was your name? Lovejoy. Lovejoy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep, Wait, Lovejoy. Yep. Oh, I love that. Lovejoy. That's Junia's middle name. Oh, oh. Is it was really. Mm-hmm. She, cool. And actually, my grandmother didn't have a middle name. It was just Lovejoy. Oh, huh. one word, one name. That's amazing. So it's it's before compassion fatigue sets in and all of these, and before you become overwhelmed with the needs of this world, it's about changing the world one person at a time. And maybe not even their entire world, but their day. Uh, and showing compassion and, and then sure as, uh, as I'm living and breathing, praying and talking to God about the, the, the global things that are there and changing what we can and when we can. So... Thank you so much for listening to the Live Change Podcast. We appreciate you. Uh, We appreciate you subscribing. Uh, We're going to be here every other Wednesday talking about the subjects that that really matter and that really affect you. Uh, As always, the stuff we're talking about here, someone in your life needs to hear it. Make sure you share it with them. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to follow the show, send today's episode to a friend, and leave a review. The Live Changed podcast is produced by LCBC Church. LCBC stands for Lives Changed by Christ. We are one church in multiple locations across Pennsylvania. For more information about LCBC, resources from this episode, and ways to grow in your relationship with Jesus, go to lcbcchurch.com.